What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts, I'm the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad the Side. And Tad, we're rolling along here with some great draft content. You know, we are in draft month. We are, as of recording, recording a little bit later in the week than we usually do as far as our recording schedule. So, um, but yeah, I think we were under 20 days away from the draft like i mean it is coming and it is going to be here pretty soon and it is very exciting stuff how dare you make me do math let's see so it's <laughs> it's as of recording it is 16 days away if i'm not mistaken but I very well could be yeah well like i said just safe to say that's under 20 days because i think on thursday it was three weeks away which is 21 and so yeah once we get into the weekend here i think we're you know but you you carry the one and then divide it by two. I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> but either way, you want to sort of do the math as Tad is sort of doing there. Uh, the draft is coming up real close, and we sort of want to dive into. We did this last week. We took a, um we took a look at some teams that did not have first round picks and sort of just a direction they might go as far as how they're going to supplement their roster to be competitive in 2023. Um, but now we're gonna do the flip side. So we're gonna be looking at the four teams currently. The emphasis on currently because, you know, we brought this up before. The Aaron Rodgers trade has not gone through yet. Not so yet. possibly there's going to be a first-round pick involved in there. I'm pretty sure it's going to be this year. So the Jets is number 13 pick, if I remember correctly. Maybe yep. going to Green Bay. But as of recording, there are only four teams with multiple first-round picks, and the Jets are not one of them. <laughs> you, you know what I think might happen here? Because it's really feeling like this isn't going to happen by draft time. I wonder if this is going to be one of those NBA things where, like, the Jets ask the Packers, like, okay, who do you want? We'll take him, and be. then like once once we get this figured out, then he'll be part of that deal. Like I wonder if that's and the draft rights here. to New York. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that could be something exactly. that could happen. Yeah, that's a very strong you get, possibility. You get Kobe Kobe Bryant. What was it? The Hornets like Hornets hat situation? Hat, yeah, yeah where he's wearing the wrong hat. <laughs> what a stupid idea! If you know you're going to another team, just wear the right hat. Well, I guess they have to finalize all the details and all that stuff, so it's like they can't officially say that he's going to be on another team until, like, so, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. So it's so confusing, especially when you're watching the NBA draft as far as just like, oh, yeah. wait, no, he got drafted by the Hawks, but he's been yeah, sent a, a, to Milwaukee, and then it's just like, wait, Yeah, a, okay. dude's, a dude's wearing a Bulls hat, and he's just like, I can't wait to be a member of the Kings, and you're like, wait, wait, hold on, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even the broadcasters get confused, too. It's like, okay, so you see him currently wearing a king's hat but as we sort of mentioned earlier he's being traded to the phoenix Suns. all of a sudden you're just like wait wait, what <laughs> where are you going <laughs> exactly that's why so, some people ask me for my nba draft analysis since we do this i'm like dude i don't know yeah, seriously seriously but yeah so we could see something like that happen on day one of the draft where you know aaron Rodgers goes to new york and then green bay just ends up drafting whoever new york wants at 13s or things so yeah very well could be in the cards but yes as sort of i mentioned already we are not going to be discussing new york jets on today's episode we're only going to be discussing the four teams that have multiple first round picks so those teams are the houston texans the seattle seahawks the detroit lions and the philadelphia eagles of all teams like that's going to be very interesting to see what they do after just recently playing in the super bowl so let's start at the top though let's go with the houston texans who pick at number two overall and then later pick only 10 picks later at number 12 overall so I mean, Tad, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one at number yeah, two. Just... Or quarterback. It, it, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
there's no way to sort of you know dice it up any other way they're 100 percent going to be drafting a quarterback now the only thing is just are they going to be able to select bryce young or are they going to be able to select cj stroud because they're pretty much just going to take the leftover of whatever carolina does at number one overall now based off what i'm sort of like hearing and reading through the grapevine here tad it seems like carolina is leaning towards cj stroud but i mean we heard this all during the 2021 nfl draft with the niners and mac jones where everybody's like oh it's gonna be mac jones it's gonna be yeah. mac jones it's gonna be mac jones and then what happened they ended up selecting trey lance so this could be very much the same thing and that's worked out great <laughs> yeah yeah for both teams has not yeah We'll see. We'll see. We'll 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 dive into that in a later episode for sure. Once we get into fantasy content in the summer for sure. But you look at Carolina, maybe they're setting up a smokescreen too, where they're like, Yeah, we're very interested in CJ Stroud. And you know, there's a there's a viral video going around about um when Josh McCown and Frank Wright were at CJ Stroud's pro day and some people were like trying to pick up the audio. I don't know if you remember seeing this video, Tad, but Josh I didn't, I didn't hear about the audio. I just heard about them like stalking him around the field afterwards that they were like three feet behind him the entire time and people were like, Yeah, but there there's doing? a viral video that went around too, like as they were sort of like, you know, oh thanks for having such a good day and you know, appreciate you guys coming out and like good job and all that stuff. And then um I think CJ Stroud was like, Let's go. I think they were talking about playing pick up basketball or something like that outside and then Josh McCown's like oh no 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 worries once you come into Carolina we'll be able to find some places out there it's a lot of people were like oh did they just leak that they're taking CJ Stroud here so I don't know maybe there's some you know kernel of truth into that they, video. they could maybe be blowing just... smoke up his ass too this could be uh, uh, uh this could be a draft day Bo Callahan situation <laughs> yeah we're definitely taking you first overall so 100% like I have no idea what sort of like you know smoke and mirrors they're sort of setting up here for you know the rest of the draft the dominoes that will fall after they take a certain quarterback but yeah I mean just getting back to Houston here like I said I think they're going to take whichever quarterback is left whether that's Bryce Young whether that's CJ Stroud I think both of these quarterbacks are going to be sort of those franchise altering type of players that's going to take Houston into a new era with the new head coach as well in D'Amico Ryans. But Tad, I'm going to pose this question to you. Who do you think will fit better in Houston? Like, I mean, obviously they're going to have to take whoever's left over. And I know you probably don't want to answer this question as a Colts fan, yeah, but yeah. just who do you think would fit better really quickly? Like whether that's Bryce Young or whether that's CJ Stroud in this offense. The, the reason I'm reacting so like I'm smiling from ear to ear right now for our listeners is because we did not discuss this beforehand, but that is the exact same approach I took to this pick. So I was like, <laughs> it's going to be a quarterback. I'm like, so perfect. you know what's the more interesting conversation? Who fits better in the system? So I exactly. actually have the perfect notes for that is uh, it's Bryce Young, 100%. Because I did okay. not know this um, until I started doing research for this episode, but the Houston Texans new uh, offensive coordinator is the former 49ers passing uh, coordinator. Bobby so, correct. Yeah, so of course that makes sense with Miko Ryan's, that connection, of course. But it got me thinking, like, okay, what does it take to succeed in the 49ers or the Shanahan-type style offense? And then it got me thinking, well, why did Brock Purdy do so well in the 49ers offense? And I remember maybe you can correct me on this, but from everything I saw, it seemed that Purdy understood the flow of the offense. He understood, I can't, you know what, if I'm making a decision, I got to make it right now. And he pulls the trigger. What happens, happens. Trust in the system, right? Well, one of my biggest knocks on CJ Stroud is he tends to second guess himself. Not often, but often enough where it's noticeable. He tends to second guess himself in, in the pocket. 
It's mm-hmm. again, it, it looks like a pump fake, but it's not a pump fake. It's not a deliberate attempt to redirect the defensive back. It's him going, oh, no, that route might not be as good. And then, like, the pocket starts collapsing on him. That's what when his running ability comes in. So he can deal with it well, but he still has that hesitation. So I think Bryce Young has that flow, has that confidence, has the, you know, pass-first mindset. Not saying that Stroud doesn't have a pass-first mindset. I just think Young has a better one. Um, so I, I think Young is the better fit for like, just again, an offense that runs so heavily on the flow and just the tempo. I, I think that young is the guy that is better suited to pull that off. No, I think you bring up a good point. I think, um, either quarterback, I think is going to fit well, but yeah, I think you look at the characteristics that Bryce young displays as far as his quarterback makeup. I think just looking at what the, you know, the Niners have done, the Rams have done Miami to an extent, you know, green Bay, obviously with Matt LaFleur, um, those types of systems, I think, could probably better suit Bryce Young's skill set as far as being a quarterback in that type of offense. But I don't doubt that C.J. Stroud, if he were to be taken by Houston after Bryce Young goes they're to Carolina at number they're one, they're easily going to be able to coach up those small things as far as like making the decision faster, like you said, where it's like he doesn't have to hesitate. They're going to find the open receivers for him to sort of make his decisions quickly. So, But yeah, I, I think I agree with you that <clears throat> between the two – if they had the choice, like if hypothetically, if they were number one, which, you know, maybe could be in the cards. We'll see. Who knows? Draft day is going to be very interesting for sure. So maybe they decide to go to number one and they decide that they want one of those two quarterbacks. Maybe Bryce Young fits just a little bit better. So, like I said, number two overall pick, not much excitement there. We know what's going to happen there to number two for Houston, right? Let's get to number 12. This is where it's going to get a little bit more interesting. They got this pick, obviously, via the uh, Houston Cleveland Browns, excuse me, because of the Deshaun Watson trade. So, I mean, like I said, with them going quarterback with the number two overall pick, they definitely need to now – they could go in a multitude of directions. Like they can address the defense with the, you know, the pass rush, defensive line, uh, cornerback too. Like, you know, if they want to get some more depth there, um, offensive line, obviously we talked about with Houston, like that's usually a big problem for them. But I think what they're going to do here, Tad, is that I think they're going to pair up their quarterback with a dynamic receiver. And so I think they definitely need to supplement their receiver group because, they have a, I don't know, average receiver group right now. They have, as their start, current starting wide receivers for them is Robert Woods. Not bad. Veteran receiver. Could be dependable. Getting, getting um, up there, though. Yep, that's that's the big one there. Nico Collins, he's flashed at times, but he's nowhere near like a consistent guy you could depend on in that offense. Uh, they just recently drafted him, John Mechie the third. He had some injuries, obviously, so they're hoping— You liked him, didn't you? I thought he could show some flash. Obviously, he's a speed uh, – he's a um, burner, obviously, for them. So, you know, you got to make sure you got enough time to get the ball to him. So we'll see how he develops into his next couple of years here. And then they got Noah Brown, who they signed from the Dallas Cowboys. So, like I said, they got not bad receivers, but 100% they can upgrade this receiver position. So especially when you're picky at number 12 now, like we talked about this, where – most likely we should see at least three quarterbacks going in the top 10. That's going to push every other position a lot lower. We're going to see some defensive um, pieces go in the top 10 as well with like Christian Gonzalez and Will Anderson, obviously probably see some of the offensive linemen with Skaronsky, possibly Paris Johnson Jr. as well. So this is going to slide the receivers down a little bit further. So honestly, Houston can have their pick of who they want at the receiver position at number 12. And, I know you would hate it to see Quentin Johnston don't, don't go here. It. It's a possibility. 
is a possibility. I'm not saying they will go. I think they want to go with a more polished, complete receiver that can start day one. I'm not saying Quentin Johnston can't, but I think we talked about this in a wide receiver rankings episode. I think the biggest thing with Quentin Johnston is you're drafting him because of the potential that he can be one of the best in the league. Whereas like from day one, like he'll be good for you, but there's a lot of things he needs to work on. Whereas the pick here that I'm thinking Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he's more of a guy that's a little bit more overall, a lot complete. We saw this with Chris Olave last year, as well as Garrett Wilson, that they came in, they're producers from the get go. So I think Houston needs that type of receiver that from day one, they can pair him up with the rookie quarterback, excuse me, and they'll be ready to go sort of thing. So he'll be able to learn for Robert Woods as well. So I like, like Jackson Smith and Jigba here, number 12, to pair up with a young quarterback. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think if he's there, Najigba will be the pick. I know, I know I'm saying it wrong. Amir says, says it correctly, but I'm going to keep saying it the way I say it. Um, Quinn Johnson, like you said, is also a possibility because yeah. I was laughing earlier when you said like, yeah, you know, they can coach up these guys, you know, uh, Stroud to throw these open receivers. They know he's not great at getting open is Nico Collins. So you really yeah. can't go into the you know <laughs> rookie season of your franchise quarterback with him as your number two receiver. So yeah, I, I think it will be receiver. If they don't, it should be pass rush. Uh, they need a lot yeah. of help at either the defensive end and the edge rushing. So I think uh, Luke Van Ness is a possibility. Nolan Smith, that's a great pick. Yep. if he mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. if he starts slipping, that's a possibility. Now, how about this for a dark horse candidate? If he's there, and he could be, I've, I've and this is a player I've seen as high as like six and as low as like twenty two. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, I would not be like overly shocked if they took him because I mean, as you can attest to, Amir, and as D'Amico Ryan's can attest to as well from his time in San Francisco. You can never have too many defensive backs. You're so sure? I think if Gonzalez is as good as I think he'll be, and again, this pains me to say, he <laughs> and Stingley together could be like the best cornerback duo in the league by year two. Like bar none. Like they are those two together would be shut down. And so that'd be an interesting kind of defensive way to go. It's just it's gonna be interesting. I'm not sure how much control D'Amico Ryan has over the personnel decisions and those defensive guys love going defense, even if there is a need on offense. So wouldn't shock me if they go edge rusher or corner here either. Yeah, because we've talked about this before, too, where it's like where a new head coach comes into their situation, they usually try to address what they're good at, right? Because we see this right. with Chicago and Matt Eberflus, where it's like, okay, do I want to start working on the offense or do I want to start working on the defense, which I'm more experienced in? So we saw him, like, clear out a lot of players, draft guys they wanted. We saw in this offseason, they signed Terrell, uh, Terrain Edmonds, excuse me, not Terrell, um, and also TJ Edwards. He's like, I want to beef up this defense because I think that can be a lot closer to being um, – uh, more closer to being a very good unit as opposed to the offense where I think we still need a lot of work to do. So you can build up one side to be very strong and then work on the other side. Like as you go along, that's sort of what coaches sort of employ there. So yeah, I could very much see D'Amico Ryan's going with the defensive pick where that's cornerback defensive line edge rush, maybe a linebacker too. I think it might be a little bit too high for linebacker here at number 12, but yeah, hundred percent. Like if Christian Gonzalez is there, like that's an excellent, excellent pick for sure. But I see him going in the top 10. I don't think he'll be a available here but yeah if he's run there 100 run that pick in <laughs> like yeah, for sure no. don't wait for the clock to uh, to clock out or whatever like go rush it in so that's sort of a couple of directions the houston texans could go in um but let's move on to the next team here so they're picking at number five overall if i remember correctly and that yep. is the seattle seahawks i'll pass it over to you here Ted. So at number five, I think they're going to stay put. And let me tell you why is uh, let me just read off some stats for you. Remember? Uh, so they're, they're extraordinary. They being the Seahawks are extraordinarily consistent, but the problem is they are consistently bad. 
So let me tell you <laughs> what I mean by that. They finished third to last in all the following categories. They uh, pressure percentage. So how often they got to the quarterback. They finished 22nd sacks. They finished uh, third to last in passing yards allowed and third to last in rushing yards allowed per attempt. So this is going to be a defensive lineman taken here. I don't know who. So <laughs> let, let's say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Defensive lineman, edge rusher of some type. So um, they so they also finished no single player had more than 36 quarterback pressures. Right. So I think it's going to be an edge rusher like Tyree Wilson. Uh, maybe maybe this would be a shock, but maybe Nolan Smith comes here since he had such a great combine Ooh, it might be a little and, bit high, but it's a possibility. But I mean, the Seahawks are I, this would be the exact same thing. Uh, I'm trying to remember the year where they took Bruce Irvin uh, in like round yeah. 15 when people had him ranked as a second or third rounder. So like the Seahawks are known for drafting and I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the same front office as well. So th this sure, front yeah. office, and this is the same front office. I know this for a fact, this is the same front office that took Rashad Penny when people, uh, yes. again, had him yeah. ranked as a third or fourth round pick. So this front office is not, you know, opposed to reaching for players. Um, another interesting name to bring up is Jalen Carter. I think this is where 100%. the Jalen Carter chatter mm -hmm. starts mm -hmm. is does he go top 10? Because I don't know if you've seen this, his agent, in himself, obviously, they're not talking to anyone outside the top ten. They're yeah, they're no, like I heard declining that. I visits, heard that. and they're and they're just like, no, we're going top ten, which is an interesting strategy. I'm not sure if that's gonna <laughs> it's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. But uh, the interesting, so it's definitely gonna be some defensive lineman. I, I th obviously, if Will Anderson somehow falls as best case scenario for Seattle, like I mean, like you said, like don't wait, don't spend the you know five minutes. Wasting time. Like if Will Anderson is there, I think that card's gonna be in by the 455 mark. Like there's no way that they will hesitate on that. But I think the best option for them to go is Tyree Wilson. He's a highly developmental candidate, needs a lot of work, but all the physical uh, skills are there. And I, I, the more I watch him, the more I like him. Because earlier on in the draft season, I was a little, you know, harsh on him. But the more I watch him, the more I'm like, okay, there's enough there to work with to justify him going back end of the top five. But this is back when people were like, could go number three. And I was like, no, stop that. Um, <laughs> I know people are like, oh, it's just difference two picks, but it's a big difference. Uh, the dark horse candidate that would not surprise me here, Peter Skronsky. They actually have a somewhat defense, uh, decent offensive line. They do. I don't think they they'd do. reach for but an offensive that, tackle slash guard here. Like, I mean, just – but, okay, I want to hear your reasoning on this one. So they do, but uh, I will give you $5 right here. Name – the Seahawks right tackle. It's not Charles you know, Cross, right? No, he plays left. Okay, yeah. Which, that's uh, which is also a point I'm going to bring up soon. Okay. It's Abraham Lucas. So okay. that is I'd my watch point. State, is, right? I don't know. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I didn't have that. Okay. <laughs> I saw the name and I, I looked up his stats. I was like, okay. Um, he's not bad. He's not bad at all. But you're totally right. That offensive line as a whole is actually pretty well set up. But that is a one kind of weak point there. And so I think that with Skronsky and he's a guy that I've very much fallen in love with the more I watch him. Um, I, I think he does have the ability to be a tackle at the next level. I, I'm not, I'm no longer buying into the switch of guard being necessary. Um, but that's, that's, I'm so glad you brought Charles cross up because that's why I like this pick so much. Cause you can keep cross at the left tackle and play your, you know, number five overall pick at right tackle, a position with far less pressure so that he can develop without, you know, as much attention being put on him. So I, I agree. They they have more pressing needs, but it's one of those things that like 
honestly, that that would kind of complete your offensive line, and then you don't really need to worry about it for the next two or three years. And that's a, that's a nice luxury. I do agree with that, but like I said, I think they have bigger issues that they need to address on their team compared to offensive line. So especially when they're picking at number five overall, I think there's a lot of other stronger players at other positions that I think could bring more value to the team compared to a Peter Skronzi, who I'd love as well. Like, I mean, he is easily one of the best offensive linemen overall in this year's draft class, but just, yeah, I think... They could probably go in a different direction. So, yeah, I 100% like Tyree Wilson. It wouldn't surprise me if they go with Jalen Carter. They definitely need to beef up that defensive line, uh, defensive tackle specifically as well, because they just released um, – well, not just, but they released Shelby Harris in the offseason, who was part of that trade with Russell Wilson. A lot of people thought that was going to be a big uh, big contributor for Seattle, but it just never panned out, so they ended up releasing him. Um, so, yeah, I could see them going more with the defensive line slash pass rush um, pick here um, as opposed to probably offensive of line but yeah like you said it's a dark horse candidate so i mean it's a very possibility that possibility could be out there and you laid out good reasoning but yeah i think i'm gonna side with defense here for seattle at number five all right so let's talk about seattle's next pick at number 20 um i don't know it's a crapshoot <laughs> this was so tough i was like they could go a thousand different ways here, yeah so. that's the thing yeah once you get later in the draft especially when you have multiple first round picks it's like it's really based off what you do with that first pick that you have in the first round and then just where you're going to go with that next one so i'm pretty yeah, sure you so, figured I out mean, some sort of game plan here so what do you think they'll do here at 20 yeah, corner is a possibility christian gonzalez yeah. if he takes a tumble would be an excellent pick there because again okay. i i've been looking at mock drafts all over the place some people i know don't put like action you know Draft stock is not actually representative of mock drafts. It's just what a bunch of experts think. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I say that with respect because you and I are also experts. Exactly. Um, but it just seems like, you know, because these guys do have contacts. Well, some of them uh, do have contacts. And like those trusted mock drafts, I, again, I've seen some have the Falcons take him at eight and others have him slipping like all the way to Baltimore at what, 22, 23 or whatever. Mm-hmm, and I just mm-hmm. I don't know where this kid's going to go. He should go top 10. I'm not so sure he's going to. So if he takes a slip, Gonzalez is there more realistically. Joey Porter Jr. should might be there at number 20 uh, would be a bad pick. Uh, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, if either one of them takes a tumble, uh, they need a tight end. I'll get in that in a bit. And uh, Kalija Cansey is a player that's been rising up draft boards recently, the defensive tackle at Pittsburgh. He is undersized. He is raw, but Ooh, man, is that athleticism there kind of remind, reminding you of another former pit defensive tackle. Not that I'm making that comparison, but I'm not, making, I'm not making it yet. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, comparing, I'm comparing their stories, not okay. their out. Okay. All right. It's, it's the journey to this point of It's called, you know, develop development. Shut up. All right. Anyway, <laughs> So I know some people may be going, whoa, 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 why are you saying Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, they just got Noah Fant? Now, this shocked me when I looked it up, Amir. Noah Fant in his entire career has never had more than 700 yards or five touchdowns in any of his seasons. And you can't blame it on injuries because he's played a majority of those seasons in every single one. No, it's true. It's very That's true. Crazy. Um, I thought he was going to break out in Denver because um, he looked like there's a flash towards the end of it. I think it was his rookie season mm. where um, they brought in um, 
God, what the hell? Uh, Drew, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. That's the quarterback I was thinking. They brought in well, Drew they, Locke. They've gone through like eight in the past three I know, years. I know. You're, you're excused <laughs> for, for not knowing. Uh, but they brought in Drew Locke, and he looked to know if that's a lot, uh, his direction a lot, and he was racking up some stats, and he thought finally this is like, okay, he's learning because tight end's one of those positions that transitions a little bit slower compared to other positions when you're making the jump from the college level to the NFL level. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just taking him a little bit longer. Then you saw it towards the end of the season. Okay, now he's starting to realize his potential, but just like you said, I think it just it never materialized in Denver. Obviously, they trade him to Seattle. Seattle's a very uh, a team that likes to utilize the tight end position. Like I mean, we've heard so many names in the past before that have broke out in Seattle, and so it's like you thought you'd see that here, but maybe just adjusting to the new offense, just hasn't seen it yet. So I can understand why you'd want to make an upgrade here, but like I said, maybe I'm just holding out. Maybe I'm just a little too optimistic see, in what I saw in Noah Fant that maybe I could potentially see him here in year two with Seattle now that maybe they'll utilize him a lot more. But I also want to throw in the fact here, Tad, before I get your reaction here, is just they also still have Will Disley, who they've used pretty well in the tight end position as well. So it's like I don't know if they need to upgrade a tight end here at the number 20 spot. But, yeah, your thoughts here as to why you think they go tight end, though. I love your last note on Noah Fant because the very next line of my notes is we need to stop sitting on this potent. Like maybe he'll break out. <laughs> I was yeah, like, we, we yeah. need to stop playing this game because yeah, I, I fell for it last year of like, I, he, he's still like, he's still developing and stuff. No, he trust broken. I don't trust him anymore. Move on from Noah Fant. Now Will Disley, sure. He's a good tight end, but I'm talking Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, or hell even maybe even Darnell Washington. These are, this is like a true Number one starting tight end for your future. So, like, how consistent has Will Disley been? I mean, you and I both know this as fantasy guys. You do not trust the Seahawks tight end because they will blow up for about two or three weeks and then they won't do shit for the rest of the season. So, like, this is finally the consistency you can get at the position as Seattle. Because, yeah, you're right. I like Will Disley. As a number two tight end, I don't like him as a your your go to starter. I don't think he has that ability or that consistency, uh, health wise or production wise. But um, you know, uh, other you know positions like I said, Tariq Woolen, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Excellent, fine. I, I he got definitely at least one. I think he got two or three votes for defensive rookie of the year as a yeah. third round mm-hmm. pick. Mm-hmm. So like that was a great find. They need to find other secondary help, which brings me to my dark horse candidate. This shocked me. Ready? What if they went for – I don't think he'll be here for this, but what if they went Devon Witherspoon if he slips? Partially because he has that corner safety hybrid that would be really valuable for reasons I'm about to speak to in a second. And now on the more realistic side for a dark horse candidate, Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. Now, I know what people are saying. Why in the world would they go safety with Jamal Adams? A couple of reasons. One, uh, they literally have no safety behind Brian, uh, Jamal Adams right now. Brian Adams. Why did I just turn him into Brian Adams? You freak up singers now. (laughs) Well, you know what? Right now, Seattle would bring Brian Adams into the building to back up Jamal Adams because they got no one. Yeah, and which no, the way true. Jamal Adams plays, you need a good, reliable backup because he just plays way too aggressive. He's going to he's kind of like the, uh, uh, you know, the the modern day Bob Sanders. Like he plays so aggressively, you can just guarantee he's going to miss a couple of games. So you need a good backup. And also, let's not lie. Jamal Adams has not lived up to expectations in Seattle. And nope. so, yes, his contract is massive starting next offseason. There's a potential out every offseason going forward where they can save a anywhere from 15 to 25 million dollars i i looked into it i was like i can describe this on a podcast it'll take about 25 minutes but i can explain it so let me just tell you depending on when in terms of the month and the year they release him 15 to 25 million dollar savings starting next offseason so if he fails to meet expectations again 
you know, the the Seahawks, all that draft capital they trade away for him, that's already been spent. So it's not like it's that bad a PR of like, okay, it didn't work out and we're still suffering. It's like, all right, it didn't work out and they can move on. So if if they, I don't know the confidence in Jamal Adams in that building, um, but if they aren't, this could be a good spot to kind of nab his potential future successor. It's a possibility. I think safety is a little bit high here to go at the uh, tw- number 20 pick. Like, That's why I like the Witherspoon I don't think a safety is going to go in the first round, to be honest with you. I think one of them will. It won't be until the 20s. One's going to slip in? Yeah, yeah, one's going to slip in. But that's why I like the Witherspoon pick because he could fill in for corner. And so he fills that need. And then when, not if, when Jamal Adams goes down, it's like, okay, Witherspoon, get back there. And you're like, all right. So it's like if one of those corner safety hybrids falls to them, I think that's good. But I think 20 is a little too high or a little too low, high. Why do I always do this? Yeah, yeah. It's just Um, whatever. I, I I think Witherspoon will be gone by 20. I think so, too. I think he's easily going to go in the top 15. I think he has that yeah. type of talent that some team is going to recognize that he's for sure. He's going to so. be a patriot. God damn it. <laughs> so I don't think he'll be available at number 20. But, I mean, there's lots of other great corners that could be available at 20 that can sort of play that sort of hybrid role um, where you got Cam Smith out of South Carolina. you got Clark Phillips III out of Utah. Deontay Banks. Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I was just about to bring up him. So um, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. So mm. if they want to go in that direction, there's a lot of great corners that can go at 20. Um, if Devin Witherspoon is there like fantastic buying there definitely you pick him but i think like we are in agreement here i think he's easily going to go in the top 15 possibly the top 10 too like based on yeah. who you like better between christian gonzalez and devin witherspoon so i don't know if he's going to be there at 20 but um like i said i'm not so high on tight end at, for in the first round for them i don't think they'll go in that direction i think they'll probably um at number 20 they could very much address the interior offensive line or maybe osiris torrance I, I, here. See, I, like, but I don't think i almost said that but i don't think torrance is going to be there either Okay, that's a, that's a possibility, but I think if he is there, then I think that's a better pick. I think they can obviously address the pass rush. I think there's a lot of great talent that they could find here. I like the Kalijah Kansi pick. I think that would be an excellent addition to their defensive tackle, especially if they don't uh, decide to draft Jalen exactly. Carter at number take, five. Take your edge Kansi at number 20 is fantastic. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be fantastic for sure. So. All right, so a couple different directions to see how it can go. So let's get to the next pick here. That is the Detroit Lions. They're picking at number six overall. And then again, at number 18 overall, if I remember correctly. But I'll pass to you here, Chad, for the analysis. Yeah, why did you give me all the teams where it's like, I don't know, they could go a thousand different directions. Like, this is so hard. Well, you wanted Detroit because that's your dad's team, well, right? I did, I did ask that. I didn't, I didn't realize Seattle was also going to be as difficult. I thought Seattle was going to be the easy one. But yeah, number six is uh, – that's where the fun uh, – you know, it's Anakin Skywalker. This is where the fun begins because it's like at number five, like we said, we're, we're fairly certain that Seattle is going to go D-line edge rusher there. Obviously, top four is going to be a cluster of quarterbacks plus Will Anderson somewhere. And so this is truly where it's like who are they going to take? I don't know. So uh, they could go corner, although they've done a lot of moves. The them being the Lions have made a lot of moves to shore up um, their their secondary this offseason. A pretty good way. It's it's still not great at the corner position, but man, that CJ Gardner Johnson signing may be my favorite of the offseason. Like getting a player that good on such a cheap contract, woo! Great signing by them. So maybe they keep it up. Maybe they go corner. Uh, this would be where Devon Weatherspoon or Christian Gonzalez go. Uh, those are pretty universally regarded as the top two corners. Any other corner going first would be a massive shock. I don't even know what to compare that to. Um, they could go, you know, tight ends. They trade away TJ Hawkinson. Uh, yes, this would be a little early. This is actually why I, if I were the Lions, what I would do, trade out of this number six pick. 
Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, one of them is going to fall. And hopefully you get a team that wants to get up to number six to make sure they don't fall any further. And so, I mean, maybe it's uh, Baltimore. Maybe it's uh, – um, oh, there's some team that's – oh, maybe it's Minnesota. I heard Minnesota's falling in love with Will Levis apparently. So maybe one of them trade up. But I think what Detroit should do is trade back, not too far, but trade back into the teens and then take a tight end. So that – if I were them, that would be my main focus. They could also go quarterback. Uh, I don't think they will. But if they really, really love a guy, uh, Jared Goff isn't, you know, he's almost 30 at this point. I, he definitely, we know he can bring a team to the Super Bowl, but can he bring them all the way? I'm not so sure. So if they want to draft a guy to kind of groom behind him, that's a possibility. And then, of course, uh, defensive tackle. Jalen Carter sweepstakes continued. This could be another spot where I could see him going to. We know, I know it's a different front office, but we know this franchise given uh, taking Nick Far fairly, far fairly. Why am I trying? Yes. Chris Farley, Nick Farley, whatever. There's an I. I'm in a very pop culture mindset right now. It's weird. Seriously. Um, Playing too much but framed. Yeah. I think that's the problem. <laughs> that's exactly. No, that's exactly what it is. That's, it's funny to say that because that's what I was looking at before the show. Um, but yeah, Nick, Nick Farley is a perfect example. If you can take a troubled defensive tackle and hopefully if you get him in line a little bit, he should be okay. Now, Sheldon Rankins with the Jets is a perfect example of how that could go opposite. But I, I think Dan Campbell's the type of like, I can get this guy in order. So Jalen Carter is a very real possibility here. Um, Michael Mayer, obviously, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, all those guys. I, I've seen edge rush. I, just, I'm not, I, I think all the best edge rushers will be gone at this point. I, I think this is too early for Luke Van Ness. I think this is too uh, early for Nolan Smith, although I could also see uh, Dan, uh, Dan Campbell uh, fall in love with him. So I, I think that, you know, there, there's a lot to love here, but I think that if, if they really, really wanted to go with a good player that would benefit them right away, if he's there, if the Seahawks pass on him, take Tyree Wilson. Because imagine if Tyree Wilson lives up to that, um, that promise and pair that with Aiden Hutchinson. Now you have kind of like what I was talking about with uh, Houston and Derek Stingley and Christian Gonzalez. Now you have a best duo for years to come between Hutchinson and Wilson on the cheap. And there are three keys that you need to be a successful team. You need a quarterback, you need to protect the quarterback and you need to be able to get to the quarterback. So if you knock one of those out with two players on a cheap contract for the next three or four years, that's going to open up so much other room to improve your roster. So if Tyree Wilson is still there, he's my pick even over, over Jalen Carter. No, I think that's a pretty good pick for sure. Um, they definitely need to add more to Aiden Hutchinson and that passers overall. Like, I mean, it's great that they have Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's going to be a great piece for them for a long time. They have Julian Acquara, who's a great pass rusher as well for them. Alex Anzalone was pretty good coming See, from the middle linebacker that's, position. That's so, why I think it's not like a screaming – people act like it's a screaming need for them. But, like, it's not. I mean, we always say you can't have too many pass rushers. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where if, if the guy isn't there, don't reach for one. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Philly from last year, right, where it's like they had all these great pieces on their pass rush, and then obviously they get to the Super Bowl, and some of that gets picked off by other teams in the NFL during free agency. But because they had good depth, because they kept drafting at a position, they're okay right now. So it's like you look at Detroit, they're in a good spot. I definitely think they can add. But, yeah, if Tyree Wilson's there, that's a great pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to go with Miles Murphy. I think out of Clemson, he'd be a really good addition here too. I thought about that, yeah. 
that's not a bad addition if they want to go pass rush specifically. 100% like we talked about, like this is a possibility where Jalen Carter could possibly be available. He'd be a great addition on that defensive tackle line for sure. Uh, but I think they go corner. Like, I mean, they made some good additions. They got Cam Sutton, who they signed as a corner position, a very underrated sign. I think he's going to pay a lot of dividends for them in the secondary. Obviously, you brought up CJ Gardner-Johnson. I think that's a great piece in the sa safety level. But I think you need to sort of continue to address that because you play in the NFC North who has a lot of great pass catchers in Justin Jefferson and um, no longer Devontae Adams, but Green Bay with Christian Watson is a great piece there. Obviously, DJ Moore's in Chicago now, so it's like there's a lot oh, of great... yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> so there's, surprisingly, NFC North is becoming a little bit more pass-heavy now, too, especially if you look at, you know, Minnesota's very pass-heavy. You're, you're forgetting uh, Jalen Rager in Minnesota. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> <laughs> fine kj osborne i don't, I don't like even know if he's still on minnesota's roster no he is uh dj okay. um dj dj Moore, dardell booty like i mean there's a lot of great pass catchers in the nfc north now so you definitely need to make sure you're counteracting that with good uh, defensive backs so i think this is a very good spot i think i brought this up before devin witherspoon would be a great pick here for dan campbell fits that mentality he's a tackler as well because you know nfc north has some good running backs as well so i mean he could play good in the coverage he could play good in the run uh, run stopping as well so i like uh, devin witherspoon at number six to go to detroit but i mean yeah pass rush if that's available that's not a bad addition as well and of course like we talked about if jalen carter's there excellent excellent pick to add up to bolster that defensive line for detroit there so let's close this out with the last team that we have here with multiple first round whoa, picks whoa, 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 whoa. we didn't talk 18 oh i thought you sort of combined it because you were talking like tight well, end kind and of, all this kind stuff. Of. It's, it's gonna be short it's gonna be short okay but all right I, I want, let's get I want to number talk 18 about, i bet That's just because my, my dark my my dark horse is my hottest take of this episode so we gotta <laughs> okay, get to that let's hear it so number 18 let's go for it. all right so number 18 all the same shit like tight end defensive line corner whatever's there basically they should sit there and just be like take best player available yeah um, that's good that's because good option, if chance sure. aren't gonna fill me now this is where i think they should target miles murphy because i think miles murphy is going to take a little bit of a tumble that people aren't expecting uh brian Brees is another possibility mm -hmm. uh cancy who we talked about the defense tackle app yeah. hit that a little early for him but if you like him go for him now if i'm saying here's the hot take if i'm saying a little early how about this at number 18 my dark horse candidates for the detroit lions are jack campbell or Drew Sanders. Yeah, I think linebackers, I, I don't know Hold if on. I'm going to see Hold a linebacker. Let me tell you why. Let, let me tell you why. I, okay. Yes, this sure. would be too early for them. But beh uh, behind Alex, and I don't know why he keeps popping up on this goddamn podcast because he knows I can't say his name. Anzalone? I think it helped because I said it earlier, maybe. So yeah, like, it absolutely did. I was, I, was very, <laughs> I was very glad you did that. Yeah. Thank you. And behind him and Malcolm Rodriguez, Currently, Slay is their two uh, starting middle linebackers. Do you know who they have behind them? Mm -mm. Nada. Zilch, none. They got nothing. So, and plus, let's be real. Like, those guys are good, but they're not blowing anyway. Malcolm Rodriguez is young. I understand. He still has time to develop. Anzalone is definitely, like, I'm not going to say he's past his prime, but, like, it wouldn't hurt to look for an upgrade over him. So, don't be surprised, especially Jack Campbell. I really like Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. So, I would not be shocked if they took a linebacker just to shore up that you know position especially again like we said they these coaches lean on what they know well and it's just we need linebackers to be aggressive and there's anything the dude who bites knees likes it's aggressiveness so i would not be shocked if this is where the linebacker comes off the board because I, I agree otherwise i don't think there's a linebacker off the board in the first round 
it's a very possibility. And I think I do like the qualifier dark horse candidate. Cause yeah, I don't, That's, I don't see yeah. it happening, but it very well could. There's definitely a need there, but I think when they pick again, um, Tad, I don't know if you have a handy, but where they pick in the second round. I do not, but I do know. Cause I was thinking, I was like, ah, shit. Uh, they do have two second round picks, which does help. Yeah. Yeah, see, so I think they could possibly address the linebacker position with one of those second round picks then because I think all these linebackers are going to be available in the second round. You look like you already mentioned Jack Campbell will probably be there. Uh, Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. I think all those guys look pretty good from what I saw that any of those guys can sort of fill that need that they have in the second round as opposed to taking them in the first round, number 18. Um, I 100% like the idea of tight end going here. Like this is the perfect spot for a tight end to go. If Michael Mayer is there, that's a, you know, run up as fast as you can sort of oh, pick yeah, there. Yeah. Um, if perchance he's gone, like Dalton Kincaid, they can use another pass catcher. He'd be an excellent fit here. Um, maybe Darnell Washington, possibly as you need a more of a blocker, especially if they like to run first too. So any of those three tight ends, if they're available there at 18, like I could see them sort of going in that direction to beef up their passing offense and also sub- supplement their run blocking as well to help with the running game because they have DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery now. So I, I, I can see where it's a dark horse, but like I said, with them, like you said, saying they have two for, uh, second round picks, I think they go linebacker possibly one those picks as opposed to the first round. So a couple things real quick. First off, fuck the Miami Dolphins because I'm already bad enough at math, but now I yeah, need to do all the math where I'm like, okay, pick, four, pick 48. That's usually like this pick, but because like pick 32 is now the first pick of the second yeah. round. It's like, I don't know. So either way, the Lions pick up 48 and 55. Where that is in the second round, you figure it out. Somewhere in the middle there, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. not your maid. You figure it out. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle there. But, yeah, I think that's a very good spot to see some of those linebackers go off there. And Detroit wouldn't surprise me if they decided to go in that direction for sure. So, um, But, yeah, tight end at 18, I think that's like a match made in heaven. I think they're probably going to oh, do yeah. that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, let's now get to the last team here. Now that we finished number 18 with Detroit, let's get to the Philadelphia Eagles to sort of close out our episode here. So they, like we talked about, they were just in the Super Bowl, and now they're going to be picking at the number 10 spot thanks to a trade with the New Orleans Saints. So they're going to be picking to closing out the top 10 of the upcoming draft here. So, I mean, like like we talked about, they were just in the Super Bowl. Their roster sort of got picked clean a little bit. Tad, they lost six starters from both sides of the ball from their Super Bowl starting roster. So, I mean, like, they lost some key contributors to their offense as well as their defense. I think their offense has stayed intact for the most part. I think they can work with what they have. They don't lose too many big pieces. So, I think they address defense with the number 10 pick here. Um, Once again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but, I mean, if Jalen Carter slips to number 10, I mean mm. – Can you imagine, Ted, like they pair up Jalen Carter with his former teammate at Georgia with Jordan Davis? Like, can you imagine that defensive line? Fletcher Cox is still there, too. And Fletcher Cox is still there that they're going to learn from. Like, I mean, that's just so dirty. Like, it's just unfair for the rest of the division and, of course, whichever teams they play. Like, I mean, that's just – yeah. And then obviously they got Nicobe Dean, who they didn't play much in his rookie year. So he's going to step up in the linebacker position. He's, like, oh my God. He's my pick for just... breakout player. He's my pick yeah, for breakout Nicobe player. Yeah. Dean is going to look really good. So I was like, like, if you got that triangle right there with the defensive tackles and then Nicobe Dean, like, oh my God, they're going to be fine on defense. So if he's there, like, 100%, they need to take him. Like, I mean, he's going to be such a difference maker from his rookie year. But. Like I said, there's no guarantee that he'll be there. He's going to go somewhere in that top 10 based on what we're hearing here. Um, But, yeah, I think if he's gone, I think they addressed the secondary. We talked about C.J. Gardner-Johnson leaving to sign with Detroit. I know they were able to re-sign Darius Slay as well as James Bradbury, but – 
they're getting up there. Like they're not going to play forever. So it's like, maybe they'll decide to test free agency next year. Cause I think Bradbury only signed a one year deal if I remember correctly. So, yes. I mean, he may decide to leave in the off season. Uh, Darius Slay, I think he signed a two year deal. So I mean, he's sticking around just a little bit longer, but clearly like, I mean, there's a little bit of a question mark where those guys were going to come back. So, I mean, once it comes free agency, like either next year or the season after, like there's no guarantee that they're going to keep those guys. So I think you definitely need to upgrade the secondary here. I think they go with the corner position. So if he's available, I like Devin Witherspoon, like I said, because I like his run-stopping ability better than other corners in this draft class. Um, if he's available, like I said, I like him in Detroit at number six. So if Christian Gonzalez is here as number 10, I think he's a great consolation prize. Like, I mean, if you're talking about Christian Gonzalez as a consolation prize for your draft board, like, that's an excellent, excellent yeah. consolation prize. Like, I mean, he's got the height. He's got the speed. He's got the coverage skills. He's going to slide slot in really nicely in the secondary run by an honorary Desai guy, Sean Desai. So, I mean, he's going to be able no, to no, get the no. most of he, he lost his title of honorary. No. <laughs> and he knows why. <laughs> it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Um, but 100%, I think he's going to slot in nicely. He's going to be utilized the proper way that I think uh, yeah, Philadelphia will be able to use him. So, I like secondary here at number 10, Tad. But what do you think as far as, like, those picks here? Do you think they go in a different direction at number 10 overall? I've got five letters for you, my friend. D B shit. D B P A. Ah, that's only four. Damn it. Ah, shit. This is why I, God, why is math so hard? Math is stupid. Anyway, defensive best player available. I don't care what position it is. I could care less if you if you think it's a middle linebacker take a middle linebacker because clearly philadelphia has uh success when their defense is just as you mentioned so deep and so fully loaded and as another important thing you mentioned the average age of not just the secondary but the defensive line is getting up there too with brandon graham and fletcher cox they need to start getting a little younger they're kind of splitting it like you said with jordan davis and josh sweat now you know you have young pieces but you need more so I think whatever edge rusher takes a tumble, whatever corner takes a tumble, someone's going to take a tumble. It happens every single year. Um, that's who you go with. So I, I think that should be their strategies. What, what, whoever is the best defensive player on the board, take them. Uh, my dark horse candidate is Paris Johnson. Lane Johnson is getting any, yeah. Lane Johnson's not getting any older. Jordan, I'm going to try this. And I'm, I apologize in advance. Jordan Mylata. Yeah, you got that one right. Oh, look, I'm never an upset. <laughs> can't count but now apparently i can pronounce um his cap hit skyrockets i believe starting next season so like he could be a very easy cap casually next off season so finding someone to kind of grow behind him so you can cut him next off season save yourself i believe about 20 million dollars if i saw that correctly um not a terrible pick i think the weight on offensive line but if you really love paris johnson or if skaronsky takes the tumble not a terrible pick either yeah, I did see offensive line as a need, depending on who's available there, whether it's Skoronsky or whether it's Paris Johnson Jr. I could definitely see them being added as a depth piece. And then, like you said, when Lane Johnson finally decides to retire, Jason Kelsey, obviously, maybe they decide to swing on. I, I they almost draft had Torrance there, center, but like something like that. it's like. I almost picked Torrance for this, but I don't think Torrance can play center. I haven't watched too much of him yet. I'm going to, but I'm not sure. I, he's, he feels like a pure guard to me. 
Well, you know, just a really quick deep dive. They have currently slated, they have Cam Jurgens cur- currently playing the right guard. But when Cam Jurgens was coming out in his draft class, they said he could slot in a center. During the combine, I saw him doing a lot of like center like skills and drills. So I think what they do is they decide if they decide to go offensive line with a Skaronsky or a Parashanta Jr., I think eventually when Lane Johnson decides to retire, when Jason Kelsey decides, exactly, they move Cam, uh, Cam Jurgens into the center spot and then they can use somebody else at the guard spot and then Skaronsky or Paris Johnson would then play the tackle spot. So I can see that happening for sure. So, yep. yeah, I think it's a very likely it's a very likely possibility that maybe they go with the offensive tackle position here. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, if Jalen Carter's there, 100% take Jalen oh, Carter. Yeah. Otherwise, like, I think improve the secondary with the Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez, whoever's available there. I think Devin Witherspoon will go first, but that's just my opinion. So I think Christian Gonzalez would be, like I said, fantastic consolation prize if they end up with him. So, Really quickly, let's get to the number 30 spot or 31 based on, like I said, based on the, sort of the uh, the fun that Miami sort Damn of it, Miami. The first round. <laughs> so um, I haven't slated as number 30, but I think it's officially the number 31 spot, obviously, here. But um, it really, like I said, it really just depends on what they decide to do with that first pick at number 10 overall. So whether they go defense tackle, if they luck into Jalen Carter, then I think they could possibly go with the secondary. So it's like you look at a guy like if Deontay Banks is there at number 30, that's a great pick oh. to upgrade your secondary. Then you go double down on defense. Uh, maybe they add to the front seven again. So maybe they go with a pass rushing piece. So maybe they go with like a Will McDonald at Iowa State. Maybe they go with Keon White at a Georgia Tech. Uh, Felix Enadike Uzama out of Kansas State. Like, I mean, these are guys that I'm sort of seeing here slated at the number 30 spot that would be good fix but if they don't look into Jalen Carter if they end up going with the secondary piece like a Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon then I think they definitely address the defensive tackle position or the defensive um, edge rush for sure so defensive tackles picks you look at Maisie Smith out of Michigan I don't know if he'll be there at 30 but if he is that'd be a good pick I think we got great value there for him at number 30 um this one as well, I don't know if he'll slide to 30 based on his just massive rise as far as his draft stock. It's a guy out of Northwestern, added to me, added to Mia at I believe. Like yeah, I said, I'm I still glad got a couple weeks. I, was, I wasn't trying that. that I still the got a couple State, weeks on that one. That and the Kansas State edge rusher, like you got, you got to handle those on draft night. <laughs> the Kansas State one's a little bit easier, but yeah, it's the, uh, yeah. Easy. Added to me at I think that's how you say it. But like I said, I got a couple weeks on that one. What world I'm is that seeing easy? Him, I'm seeing him going somewhere in like the middle of the first round. Like, I mean, like I said, his draft stock took a massive rise during this entire draft season process. So if he's there at 30 though, like that's a great speed guy that you can have come off the edge or possibly play in the middle to pair up with Jordan Davis as well. Like, I mean, he's got the height, he's got the size, he's got the speed too. Like that's the crazy thing with this guy. So if he's there at 30, he'd be an excellent pick or, like I said, with this guy too, like I'm seeing him going somewhere in the top 10 in some mock drafts. I am also see him going way at the end of the first round as well, around the spot at number 30. And that's Kalijah Kanzi, who we brought up earlier in this draft, where it's just like, what, he's also what mock have you price. seen? What mock do you see having him in the top 10? I need to speak to that person. I've actually been watching it at NFL Network. Cynthia Freeland of the of the NFL Network, she's been mocking him to Detroit at number six. And I'm like, come on, a Cynthia. High. So no, like, Cynthia. Yeah. Cynthia, what are you doing? Come on. She's been using like her analytics model or whatever it is that like, oh, that's her specialty Lord. or whatever. So okay. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. Right, but just like Cynthia. the fact that it's out there, it's like there's a possibility, I guess. I really don't know. I, but it's I, just like, I, yeah, I can tell you there, what to do with those I analytics. realistically think he'll go somewhere in the middle of the first to the end of the first. So I think him being available here at number 30 is a very likely possibility. So I like him to fit in there. For sure. Or like I said, they go with the passers. Some of the names I already brought up. Will McDonald, Keon White, Felix Anaduke, 
Azama. Like, I mean, those would be good pieces as well if they go with corner at their first pick at number 10. But just really quickly, Tab, what are your thoughts here that they do here at number 30? Completely agree with everything you said. No notes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Uh, but the, <laughs> the two quick things I want to add, this is why I'm confident a safety will come off the board because I think they could go safety here. Brian Branch this, Yeah, okay, yeah. Available. I will – yeah, I will entertain that thought. This is a possibility that, that they can use pick, I, sneak it, I sneak it right in there. That's the <laughs> trick right there. So yeah, so Brian Branch should still be available. He's my top safety. Spoiler alert. Uh, so that you know he should still be there. Wouldn't shock me if he was gone by then. JL Skinner is a guy I really love. I don't think he'll go first round. I think it's yeah. my own like dra- he's my draft crush, dude. I love there him. Right. But um, I think it's my own bias in the way of, like he should be in the late first round, but I don't think he will. But also wouldn't shock me. Um, another thing to consider, you know, with the loss of Miles Sanders, don't be surprised that this is where the second running back goes off the board. If it's uh, Jamar Gibbs or Zach, even Zach, uh, Sh- mm, how do you say? It? I need to learn this. Charbonnet. It's, a, it's Charbonnet. Okay. Charbonnet. No, no. I always <laughs> want to say Charbonnet. Um, well, just for the comedic effect, cause that'd be a great name. But yeah, it, honestly, it like it would be surprising, but it would like you know I would be like whoa, like I'd be like oh okay, interesting, because they do need to kind of shore up their running back rotation now that Sanders is gone, and this is a terrible spot to do it, because you know a, a friend of mine he interned back when they were still in St. Louis. Uh, I, I had to throw that in there uh, with the Rams during draft season, and he said the GM's mindset picks twenty five down, or these are just glorified second round picks. Like yeah, they don't worry about right. like the value or like the PR of it. Cause they're just like, you know, at the end of the day, no one really remembers if you screw up the 26 overall pick. Um, so that's why like, uh, yes. Is this a bit of a reach for the second running back? Yes. But I don't really think they'd care. Yeah, that's a possibility. I've also been hearing a lot of things that they possibly may trade up to get B. John Robinson. I don't think they'll do I, that. I don't buy that. I've seen that as well, <laughs> but I, I don't, that'd be stupid. But yeah, seeing a Jameer Gibbs or possibly a Zach Charbonnet going here at the very end of the first round, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think they'll go in that direction. They did sign Rashad Penny. They do have uh, Kenneth Gainwell still on the roster. They have Boston Scott still on the roster. So they'll be able to do their sort of running back by committee approach. I don't think they'll have a pressing need to think of running back in the first round. Maybe later in the second or third round they could take a running back. But here in the first round, I don't know if they'll necessarily go in that direction. But yeah, if perchance – Bijan Robinson slides to the end of the first, then 100%. Oh, they, I'll be they like, should yes, 100% go for that. Take yeah. that pick because, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's going to be a difference maker. Screw the running back by Camille Pope. Just give it all to Bijan yeah. Robinson, then yeah. sort of thing. So, especially but his yeah. skill set in that offense. Woo! Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm a TCU fan, and I'm saying that. Exactly. So, but yeah. Especially because he rushed for less than 30 yards against us this year. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, if Robinson's already taken by that spot, then I don't know if they'll go running back, but we'll see obviously how it plays out. But I think they'll address the defense. Possibly, you know, if um sec- if they take uh, Jalen Carter at number 10, they'll go secondary then with that pick there. So yeah, I agree. that will close out our episode. We covered all four teams as of now. As, as of now, with Baltimore for picks, obviously we'll see what happens with the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers as far as Indianapolis coming in hot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> how that will all translate as we get closer to draft day. But yeah, as we sort of mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are very much getting closer, inching closer to the first day of the NFL draft. Um, make sure you're tuning in because we're going to be doing our live stream. We're going to be covering both day one, day two, and a fraction of day three. We're still figuring out the process as far as how we're going to do day three, but 100% we got you covered with rounds one through three for sure. So make sure you're tuning into our live stream. We're going to give you all the great content that we've been giving you so far, give you instant reactions. There's definitely going to be some trades that we're going to break down, give it some fantasy spin as well, because we had the AJ Brown trade last year. So, I mean, we're definitely going to be diving into how that's going to affect Hollywood Brown too. Don't, don't diss my boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> for sure. So definitely we're going to address all of that for sure. Um, so make sure you're tuning in. That'll be obviously on day one, day two of the draft and portion of day three as well. Uh, but yeah, make sure you're just tuning in to all of our great content as well that we're dropping the rest of this month as we lead up to draft day. Um, best way you can find out is you follow all of our social media handles that are coming across right below there. You'll find us on Twitter. You can find me at uh, I'm inside 23. You can find Ted at Ted inside 94. You got the show handle the decide guys. And of course we're on Instagram at the decide guys. We're continually dropping our positional rankings. So I think we just did our tight ends. You should be seeing the offensive tackles pretty soon and then interior offensive linemen pretty soon. So make sure you're tuning into our social media handles to catch all that. Make sure you subscribe to your podcast, wherever you decide to list to your podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, as well as LAFB Network's YouTube channel, because we have our own playlist on there. Lots of great content from not just us, but from them as well, covering the Rams, the Chargers, the Bruins, as well as the Trojans. So yeah, make sure you subscribe to both YouTube channels for sure. And to guys, who's everybody who's already interacting with us, who's watching the videos, listening to the podcast, I mean, just anything and everything, guys. I mean, seriously, we can't thank you enough. So we've already established some bad math, but so between the teams with no first round picks and the teams with multiple first round picks, I think we've specifically discussed what eight teams now. Uh, five plus four, so nine teams. Damn it! <laughs> there are five teams ah. with uh, no first round picks, so we discussed five. Oh, he's so and close. Four today, so but yeah, one letter, one team, whatever. But if we have not discussed your favorite team yet, and you want our opinions on what they are going to do in the draft, as Amir said, hit us up below. We are more than happy to discuss that. I would like that is why I live for there. So because I know we don't do as many mock drafts as other people do. I know we don't. You know, we're dropping the rankings right now. But the reason we're doing that is because we want to do something different. Give you guys different types of analysis you're not going to find anywhere else. So if you want your more traditional analysis, Twitter, Instagram, that's a place to do it. Be more than happy to give it to you there. So as always, everyone, thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you so, so much for watching. And please, as always, stay safe. Mm-hmm.